0: with Mad About Miniatures. Today, I'm excited to talk to author and miniaturist Elise Hooper. Elise started working on her family dollhouse as research for her next book. She's already written three books, with a fourth coming out in March of 2022. Let's go find out more. So hello, Elise. I'm so glad to have you here with us today. Oh, thanks for having
1: me. This is such a treat.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about being an author and your books and how you got to be a best-selling author?
1: <laughs> wow, sure. So, it's funny. I guess I'm very comfortable living in imaginary worlds. <laughs> I have always been a big reader. I mean, always. I was the kid who read all, all the Little House on the Prairie books. I was a big fan of Louisa May Alcott's books, obviously, and Anna Green Gables, you know, all the kind of usuals, probably a lot of your listeners have also grown up loving. And I just kind of never got rid of that love of fiction and imaginary worlds. And I've always really loved history, too. I grew up in New England, you know, surrounded by old houses and old historic landmarks. And that's always interested me. So after many years of uh, I worked in journalism, I was a high school history and English teacher. I finally decided that I couldn't kind of put off doing what I had longed to do really my entire life. I couldn't put it off anymore. So as my younger daughter was heading off to kindergarten, I said to my husband, you know, I've always wanted to write a novel. I think this is the time for me to do it. And I think in some ways I expected him to kind of say like, what do you know about writing novels? Or, hmm, are you sure about that? Instead, he was completely encouraging. And so actually that kind of presented a new challenge. I had to figure out how to write a novel. It's very different to be a writer in some ways than to be a reader. You know, I I needed to kind of learn something. So I took classes on novel writing and, and really spent several years honing my craft, I guess, as it was. And working on this book that I had long sort of imagined about the Alcott sisters, and I should point out to readers just to familiarize them, Louisa May Alcott wrote the sort of American beloved classic Little Women. Uh, And I just grown up near the Alcott's family home in Concord, Massachusetts, always been fascinated. And really, it was Louisa May Alcott who had initially given me the idea of even being a writer when I visited their family home, which is now a museum. And so I went for it. And I started writing this novel about the Alcott sisters. And it took about five years total. And I got really lucky, was able to find a literary agent. And HarperCollins published the book in 2017. And and it would really opened up a whole new world to me of of something that I could do. You know, I still can't believe I get paid to make up stories and write about them.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. And I have to say I am a huge reader myself. And I loved Little Women. And when I saw you had written a book about the other Alcott, I was
1: so intrigued. So I can't wait to read that one. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You know, I still can't believe I get to do that. It really is a dream come true for me. And such a good reminder that we do need to try those things, you know, that have been sort of niggling at us our whole lives. Like, there, it's never too late to give us try to one of these things is what I always tell people. It isn't. It's not too late. And... Never. I think that's really
0: inspiring and you've you've actually written three books and they're all sort of about women who have been a little bit ignored by
1: the history books. I mean that is definitely my interest area is women who have had extraordinary lives and yet are kind of forgotten about in the in the endnotes and the footnotes of, of history books. So so yeah, I, I look for women who a lot of people don't know much about. I mean, Louisa May Alcott is obviously a famous woman in her own right. But her sister, May Alcott, who is best known to the world as Amy March in Little Women, she also has a fascinating life that, that is in the rare cases overshadowed by a more famous woman. Most women are overshadowed by their more famous husbands or fathers or what have you. Um, my second book, Learning to See, was about Dorothea Lang, who is a, an American photographer who was an American photographer. She is best known for her work from the 1930s, uh, the Great Depression, and also photos of the internment of Japanese Americans during World War War II. Um, She's someone who everyone recognizes her photos. Many of them are in American history books, but no one knows anything about her. And she is fascinating in her own right and then my most recent book that came out last summer is about women olympians from the 1936 olympics that were held in berlin and and those olympics had become really well known to readers because of such books like boys in the boat or unbroken but there were women at those olympics and they have remarkable stories they they are really pioneers to us um, anyone who enjoys anything to do with athletics today fast girls opened my eyes to so many things. And I'm very excited about the Olympics next month in Japan. I'm hoping they all go off without a hitch.
0: I think we all are. So one of the things that I find interesting is that when you started miniatures, it was, it says research for your next
1: book. Is that correct? It is. So I just finished a book, actually, that will come out next March, and it's called Angels of the Pacific, and it's set in World War II about some U.S. Army nurses in the Philippines. And um, this was a novel I had started before the pandemic, and I went to the Philippines to work on my research for it right before the pandemic, and then did the bulk of my writing really, you know, while I was kind of in lockdown here in, in Seattle, which is where I live. And, you know, it could be considered sort of a grim topic for a period that was very hard for a lot of us. Yes. Writing about World War II. But I took a lot of comfort in reading about and writing, I should say, about a time when people were under great stress. There was a lot of uncertainty, all of that. I took a lot of comfort in knowing that we as Americans, as the world in many cases, had overcome such a dark period. But I will say that at the same time when I finished writing that book, which was I finished basically in the fall, I've been working on revisions since, but I knew I wanted to do something totally different. Like I needed something that was going to be fun to write, something that was fun for me to imagine, and that hopefully something would eventually be fun for readers. And I have always loved dollhouses. I've always been interested in them. I have I grew up with one that had belonged to my great grandmother. And my grandmother and my mother had played with it. Now my two girls have played with it. And when I gave it to my girls, I had known that I really needed to touch it up. I mean, it had like peeling old yucky wallpaper, and it needed some TLC after all these generations of play. But honestly, my girls were totally entertained with it. So I just kind of I was busy, you know, they were little kids, and I let it go. But I decided I was going to write a novel that, you know, Edit Center is about, again, kind of women and their, their lives being overlooked by people. And I was picturing the story about a miniaturist, a woman who's a miniaturist. And I decided that, and, you know, again, this was still during this winter, which here in Seattle was pretty grim. We were locked down for, you know, again. And Working on a dollhouse felt very, like, a great escape. And so, yes, so I, I returned to this dollhouse that has been in my family for five generations under the guise, I should say, of research, but also, really, because it was fun. It was something I wanted to do. <laughs> so, and that's always the best of both worlds for me, when I can take an interest I have and and write a book about it, and so do a total deep dive into all this stuff, all under the guise of, quote-unquote, work. But really, I'm usually having a ton of fun. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. So this house that's been in the family for so long, tell me, when you got it out of storage to play with your girls, did you remember it as bigger and brighter and more beautiful than it
1: was? That's a good question. You know, I don't recall feeling sort of disappointed by what I saw. If anything, I saw really all the evidence of all this love it had gotten. Because I mean, yes, it had peeling wallpaper and things. But what was so great was my kids' didn't care. Like immediately <laughs> they were sort of filled with imagination. And, and I think for me that why I love, I mean, there are several reasons I love dollhouses. I think they are a fascinating sort of historical artifacts of how people lived. And, but I also, for me as a girl, it was such a gateway to creativity. I mean, I am an avid knitter. I was, I minored in art in college. I did all these things and I really attribute all of it to sort of back in the days when i was playing with a dollhouse because dollhouses are you know you're not just one thing when you're when you're playing or or you know being creative with your dollhouse you are thinking sort of in terms of engineering you are you are playing with textiles you are sculpting maybe i mean there're all, all these different ways of being creative to yes. to be a miniaturist and and i love that i mean I don't like the idea of narrowing down to one thing. So I just kind of love that it, it taps into all of these different creative skills.
0: I love that too. Well, I'm not surprised that you have an artsy sewing background because even though yeah. you said you were a newbie, when I looked at your pictures, I said, this woman has been crafting a long time.
1: Well, yeah, I'm, I do have a long history with this dating back to a girl. And I did also run an Etsy shop when my kids were babies, where I designed kids' clothing and personalized baby blankets. So, I mean, I was on Etsy back in, you know, old, old days. Oh, wow. So so I do love, I love anything that involves needles, be it sewing needles, knitting needles, embroidery, all of it all of it. I really do. I love textiles. I love the color and playing with texture. I just have so much fun with all that. I love, what is on my sort of to-do list is trying really mini clothes because I think that I do always love making clothes. I mean, I made them for my dolls as a girl, and then I've made them for myself and my girls. So this idea of trying a really mini, my hand at mini, mini clothing, I'm very intrigued by that. Ooh, that'll be fun. Yeah. (laughs) Well, back
0: Back to the house. One question I have is it was made for your great-grandmother. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So it's not a kit. It was handmade. Right. And I think you told me that it's sort of one-twelfth if you allow for sort of (laughs) some (laughs) hobbit doors. Is that right?
1: Yes. I would say so. It was made for my great-grandmother when she was a girl by a family friend. And Definitely I suspect this family friend kind of did it on a lark because there was no real thought. And and you know, really when you do the math and it, it probably dates to around nineteen hundred is my guess. And so I, I mean it's my understanding that that one twelfth scale really came into came into vogue as kind of a, a touch point really with Mrs. Thorne. she kind of made this a, a general rule of thumb that it's off and, and even I guess Queen Mary's dollhouse I think was is basically 112. So this house of mine may have predated those a little bit. So I am doing everything in 112, but the doors in this house are tiny. And in in fact, I told you when we had a call earlier that I sort of wish, I do have a regret that I didn't just paper over (laughs) them when I was kind of working on the real fundamentals of this house. Instead, they are really small. So, you know, the careful viewer of my Instagram account will notice I don't include many photos of the doors. And in general, I would describe the rooms as quite small. If I had been smart and savvier, maybe I should have worked in a smaller scale from the beginning. (laughs) Well, I think that's a very common issue. Right. Something I did, too, was that the house was made for my great-grandmother. But my grandmother, who also played with the dollhouse, also was a real lover of miniatures. So she was a big collector and and had several um, room boxes, and so when she passed away, all of that was packed up. But I was recently given all of those things by wow. my mom. And so I kind of was handed all these lovely pieces of old furniture and old collectibles in that 112th scale. So I also just kind of went with those. So I really wasn't thinking too much. I, I really was quite clueless that there are other scales out there.
0: I think that's pretty common, but how lucky you are to have some of these amazing pieces. And I understand that you were originally maybe going to do the house in my favorite, turquoise, but you had to change it because of these wonderful embroidered rugs that you
1: inherited. So that's true. I had bought this fabulous turquoise silk and I was I already had the couch in mind that I was going to make and I was really excited and then when I went through this old box of my grandmother's collectibles I found these beautiful old embroidered rugs that she had made for her room box and they are so lovely So unique that yes the main blanket the biggest one I knew I needed in the living room and and it doesn't quite work with turquoise so I did have to revamp my palette a little bit but I love blue in any form and so blue continues to be the kind of guiding color through this house for sure and not just blue bright bright cobalt blue I do love that color. I just, I do. (laughs) I love it too. And
0: I love your cobalt blue kitchen. Thank you. And I love all the dashes of hot
1: pink and coral. It's just so bright and cheerful. Well, you know, when you live in Seattle, you really have to embrace color because the sky is gray so much of the year (laughs) that I just can't imagine for me, a house that was kind of all monochromatic, you know, in in sort of black or white would just blend, it would fade into the background here. So I do live for a pops of color in all sense. I mean, my friends always tease me for, I love colorful clothing. I do love color because I just think otherwise it's very dreary here and I need the color to perk me up for sure. The
0: winters here are quite gray, too, so I agree. Was there something that surprised you about working on miniatures or that you especially enjoyed, especially didn't enjoy? There have been
1: so many surprises. I guess just what I love is sort of what I love about writing, too, is I'm just always learning. I'm always discovering new things. Yes. I also love all of the accounts of people really reusing things and turning them in from one thing into something completely different, be it houses out of cardboard boxes to all the ways of repurposing found materials. I love that. The main point I have taken away as my research is that I think miniaturists have this way of looking at the world where they're constantly at, their brains are constantly at work of wondering how I could make something like this in a tiny scale. I mean, there are just so many different levels of looking at the world in a new way that is just so exciting and inspiring.
0: Yeah, it gives you a whole new way of looking at things. So
1: will there be parts of this that you think you'll use in your book? Oh, absolutely some of the late like, little technical details. I th- Honestly, if I wasn't trying my own hand at these things, there would be things I, I didn't even know to think about. I mean, the whole world of tools, again, that issue of scale right. and just, I, I think something that we as miniaturists, I'm going to lump myself in, even though I am such a rookie with all of the experts I see out there. But I think that something that miniaturists do so well is just this versatility. I mean, there's the architecture component, there's the engineering, there's the whole new world of sort of making furniture, all these different things you can try your hand at. I I think I would have just skimmed the surface, even if some of the detail never makes it into the final novel I write. I hope that readers, especially readers who have their own experience with miniatures, will kind of, will see it, will get the clues.
0: And I know you don't want to let us know too much about this book. (laughs) But I will say that your Instagram account is Cora Hale. Yes. And, and your name is not Coral. Your name is Elise. So tell us who Coral is.
1: So Cora Hale is the main character of this new novel I'm working on. And she is a miniaturist. She is making dollhouses that will contain secrets of the Ooh. owners who she is making them for. And as I said, this is my fun pandemic novel. So this is really, I'm building a world of all my favorite things, of my favorite places, of San Francisco and Paris. You know, my favorite time periods. And, and so I'm really having a lot of fun with this. So so we'll see where it all goes. Well, I was thinking about the fact that
0: you're an author and you tell stories. And I think that dollhouses do tell our story. Yes. And I think that if if there is a secret, it's that if you know what to look for, you can see parts of our stories
1: in there. Oh, 100%. Ooh, I'm so glad that he just said that. I mean, that's hitting the nail right on the head. And I think that that's what is so fun to look at all these different Instagram accounts. You do just get such a sense of, Of whoever is creating them. I mean, there's such a a wide world out there of different tastes and interests and and kind of aesthetics. and, And I do love that. I mean, I just found as part of my grandmother's collection of from her shadow boxes, I found this little sort of odd little pink plastic. I guess it's a vase or some sort of dish. I don't know. Immediately I was like, Ooh, I'm going to straight spray paint this gold and turn it into a trophy because I played tennis and I, you know, I mean, of course I want a trophy in there and now I've got to figure out how to make a tennis racket too. So, so <laughs> tennis will be working its way into this house too at some point. <laughs> so I think you're so right. We start off with one vision and we, you know, we go in all these unexpected directions and I mean, the same thing happens in my writing, and I think that that is is what is so fun about creative work. You know, if we all kind of did exactly what we said about doing, well, that would have some satisfactions in itself. But Boy, to me, it's really the journey of kind of the, the ways we surprise ourselves. I think that is always so gratifying. And and that's really what keeps me making things. The main person I love to surprise is, is myself. I feel like if I'm surprising myself, then hopefully some others will be surprised too. Oh,
0: I agree. And I think sometimes the challenges, sometimes the best things I make come from limitations and I didn't have a material. Right. And then Something is born that I could never have imagined making that I love.
1: Yes. I mean, that is so interesting. If I'm going to even go to a new level with that. Past books, I've always done a lot of travel with my research. To be honest, that's been part of the fun and, and interviewing people and all this stuff. And and yet this new book I'm working on is born out of a world really from my own walls, right? I mean, I haven't been able to really go anywhere in the last year. right yet in many ways it does feel like the most expansive story i've told yet my other books i should also say are based on real people you know someone from history who we just know a little smidgen about i've been done all this research and in, in my own world sort of built you know their emotional journey and all this stuff but this book i'm working on right now is completely it's complete, all the characters are of my own imagination. And, and so that is kind of interesting that at this time when I have had really the most sort of limitations set on me from the outside world, really no travel. Yet here, if all goes well, I'll have kind of created something that really would have defied anything I would have dreamt up a couple of years ago. So that is really exciting.
0: Well, now, will you have a library of some
1: of your favorite books in your house? So I am about to start that. In fact, oh, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, I have all these sketches right now out on my little table in front of the dollhouse. And I think it's a beautiful day here in Seattle today. So I'm going to head out with my spray paint and start painting the pieces I've got to start making some bookshelves. There's going to be a wall to wall bookshelves in the sort of main living room of my little dollhouse. And I think, yes, I think what I'm going to do is then all of my favorite books. I'm going to make a miniature and put in this library. So that will definitely keep me busy for a while. So
0: you have children?
1: I do. I have two girls who have birthdays coming up in the next couple of weeks. They'll be 13 and 16 now. So they were quite a bit younger when they were playing with these dollhouses. They do think I'm a bit crazy at the moment. Really? But I also think they humor me a fair amount. You know, I mean, I'm always dragging them to some historical reenactment or historical site. So I don't think anything you know, they're never quite phased by anything I do. I think I'm always kind of doing weird things in the background as they're going about their regular lives. And and that's part of the fun, but they've thought it was fun to see this house being sort of broken back out and getting a makeover for sure.
0: Oh, that's neat. I have started going to Miniature Museum. One of the few places I could go occasionally, you know, if lockdown wasn't as bad and when we had good periods because there aren't usually a lot of people in them. Right. I think you really need to go to some of these museums and see some of these amazing pieces. I think they would inspire you. Oh,
1: I could not agree with you more. I can say, I mean, over the years, I've visited a fair amount. I saw the old Dutch dollhouses at the Rick's Museum, and I have seen the thorn rooms. So this has been definitely a long-term interest of mine. But I could not agree with you more. I think you're right. I need to go to some of these museums specifically dedicated to these miniature houses. I will say that my local library have just blown my mind of the books I've been able to find. I keep thinking I'm going to put in a search request and come up empty. And yet they keep delivering cool books to me. Wow. I listened in recently on their about the Queen Mary dollhouse that was part of the London Dollhouse Showcase. I do feel like right now, museums are getting so creative about putting things online since you know so many had to shut down. It is a time when we can do a lot of exploration. It kind of never fails to amaze me from our, from our computers. I'm feeling quite lucky. That is lucky. I mean, I think that's been
0: one of the saving graces for me during COVID is being able to learn new things and do new things and you know people talk some people talk about this being a lost year and in some mm. ways i don't disagree but for me mm. i found a lot this year yeah. you know i found a new yeah. passion i found new skills my husband is quite proud of me that i can wallpaper room and you know under two hours right. <laughs> he wishes it
1: wasn't a mini room but it's still impressive I mean, I have to ask you, Becky, would you feel emboldened now to try some of these things in full scale? Would you try making some things for your own home? I
0: started making some little mini abstract paintings, and I'm not saying, you know, they're going to be in your local museum, but I like them, and, and many of the nice people on Instagram like them too. Thank you all for being nice, and I have been thinking that maybe I might try my hand at that.
1: Oh, I love it. Another thing I'm going to try
0: is I got a little mini pottery wheel. It can be
1: such a relaxing thing to try that I'm intrigued. I've seen on Instagram some videos of these small, small wheels.
0: Yeah, I haven't started it yet. And I'm torn. At first, I was going to record my first attempt. But then I'm like, maybe I shouldn't make that public
1: until <laughs> until I get a little better. I definitely think you should record it. And even if it's not something you you open to the public right away. But I actually think that that's something I have loved about Instagram. I feel like miniaturists have been very forthcoming about how they make things and their errors. And, and I think that that's actually a real part of this whole process is seeing the progress that everyone makes. I would definitely say not to be shy about those early attempts you know, I think that this has such been such a wonderful thing to come out of the last year is, you know, there have been so many ways in which social media can be very toxic. Um, and yet here is this lovely community of people all very enthusiastic about each other's work and very eager to be cheerleaders and be helpful about showing, you know, people how to do things. I have been amazed at the generosity and goodwill of uh, the miniature community.
0: I'm so glad you said that because I think
1: I have said that in each interview. But I am truly amazed every single time. I 100% agree with you. I mean, my Instagram account is quite new. And yet um, people have been so friendly and quick to comment and get, pay nice compliments and, and I'm just blown away. And I do love it. It's, it is such a nice place to be in this little corner of the Internet. It really is. So, you know, I've
0: been thinking a lot since we had our first talk about this idea of secrets and interior Mm. and exterior.
1: Can I take one minute here to tell people where I sort of got that idea? from? Too Okay, over the course of all this research I've been doing into kind of the history of dollhouses, and a fascinating person who I came across was this Frances Glasner Lee, I think. So she was born in E. Seventy-eight. She died in 1962. She is really, um, turns out she was a pioneer in American forensic medicine or, or forensic science, I guess would be a yes. better description. And essentially she was kind of a wealthy woman in Chicago or the Chicago area who at some point developed a real interest in miniatures. And what she ended up doing, because she also had this interest in forensics before it was really a thing before, you know, you turned on your TV and CSI, whatever, to, she is like the original CSI. In fact, I think CSI has done a few episodes on her or something where she created these dioramas of crime scenes that the FBI used to train their early agents and and policemen. And I just found this fascinating. And and I really want to emphasize here, I am actually not a crime novelist at all. And in fact, I get scared quite easily. So that isn't my world (laughs) at all. Yet this idea of like everything we need to know is actually kind of right in plain sight is fascinating to me, that secrets can be right in front of us. That is sort of where this came from, was this this woman who, again, I would say has been overlooked by history, who went on to create these things that still, these dioramas, the nutshell studies of unexplained death. Um, It's quite morbid. 20 of these crime scene dioramas she created in minute detail. But it was just that concept was fascinating to me. And I would encourage anyone listening to do a little deep dive into Frances and her life because, yeah, they're fascinating. and, And how interesting that this whole world of forensics that now I mean, that is something that's a whole industry in itself. Right. And she's really at the center of it all. And yet I had never heard of her. So have to give a little plug there for a historical figure
0: I have seen some of her stuff and I do think it's admirable but I will have to say my secrets are probably more likely to be (laughs) you know little chocolates or little or
1: little jewels than
0: blood and gore
1: I am right there with you (laughs) oh my gosh Becky you and I are very similar but it is a fascinating thing that like this idea of of secrets in plain sight yeah I mean I think that women's women's lives are so connected to that in so many ways, because for so long, women's lives were so connected to their biology. I mean, it was really a life around childbearing. And so, you know, women's work was the house, right? So I think that this whole idea of secrets living within our families and, and you know, within our family trees, I just think that's a really interesting idea.
0: Oh, I do too. And I, like I said, once you started talking about secrets and clues, I started looking at the dollhouse with a totally new eye.
1: I mean, I think that's what's so fun about all of this is all the different lenses we can turn on our work and, and kind of ask ourselves what, what next? I think that that is where so much of the fun and joy in this really lies.
0: And it is fun and joyful. And I think that's what I love the most about it.
1: Right. I totally agree it's fun.
0: It really is. And I have so enjoyed talking to you. I hope our listeners have gotten a little flavor for your works and will check out some of your books. And I hope when you do finish your book, you'll come back and talk to us about it.
1: Yes. Oh, good. That's a good goal for me. No, as much as I say I'm superstitious and don't like to talk about things before they're done, it is helpful to put a little nudge out into the world because then you have to do it. I can't back away now. Right. Well, I didn't ask you before. I wanted to, you know, ask you on air. <laughs> yes, I would I would be absolutely honored. And hopefully by that point, I'll have more progress made on my little dollhouse. And yes, much more to talk about.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing. You know, this is just a really unique take on, you know, why you started the
1: dollhouse and what you're gonna do with it. Thank you. I mean, you're a classic example of this welcoming community. I think we all are in need of, of connecting with one another and, and chatting and hearing people's stories. I mean, that's what I love about being a novelist is is stories and hearing all about people's lives. So I think that this podcast you've started is such a wonderful step in that direction. I love being a fly on the wall and listening to you talk to all these fascinating people with their own motivations and their own stories. It's really exciting. So I hope you're very proud of this project that I know is sort of at its beginning for you. And I hope you just continue to run with it because you're on to a good thing here.
0: I just took a chance and thought I'd give it a try, kind of like you with your book. And <laughs> you know, it's it's just been just the right thing for me at the right time.
1: Great. Great. Well, it shows. I mean, it shows in your podcast and certainly your beautiful account of all of that turquoise that I adore. I mean, really, I think joy comes through in so many ways. And, and I really admire that. So thank you for bringing a lot more joy to all of us.
0: Well, thank you. It's funny what you said about turquoise. The other day, I, <laughs> I just started painting some things turquoise just because. <laughs> and I thought, you know, instead of a makeover, it's like a teal over. Yeah. Oh, I love it. A teal over. That's perfect. Sometimes just (laughs) things need to be teal. (laughs) You
1: know, I have felt that way about gold spray paint. I'm like, gosh, if I had known about gold spray paint and the joy I would take in just taking something and turning it gold, I would have started doing this ages ago. (laughs) Exactly. Well, thank you so much. Thank
0: you, Becky. This has been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure too. Goodbye, Elise. Bye. I love talking to Elise. And I love the idea of secrets hidden in a dollhouse. Has anyone ever created a secret room, a door, a safe in their miniature house? Contact me. I would love to know about it. My next podcast on July 13th is with Tanya Melendez. Tanya's work has been featured in House Beautiful. Her rooms look so realistic. Whenever I ask my husband to guess if a photo of one of her rooms is real or miniature, he always guesses real. Every time. Tanya and I talk about how she makes her room look so real through her unique design process. We also talk about our love of cakes, both real and mini, and so much more. So until July 13th, remember, there are no rules in your dollhouse except the ones you create for yourself. Goodbye!